Hello everyone and welcome back to Straight White Whale. My name is Darren Connell and this is my podcast. Before we start the podcast, Donna Boyd is our new guest this week, but we need to do an ad read, as you all know by now. Michael Burns from Lamb Solutions Limited is our sponsor for the podcast. If you need any work done in your house, kitchen, you know, shower work, work outside, gutter work, get in touch with Michael Burns and he will sort you out. Uh, not only that, if you say that you've heard this through this podcast, he will give you a free estimate or he'll give you a discount. So his number will pop up on the screen, give him a phone and he'll go and sort you out. I'm so nervous trying to do that. <laughs> we need to try and figure something out when the guests are not here. I'm pure hitting a beetroot. Get your gutters cleaned out. If, if a guest wasn't here, I'd be like, I used to take Ekkies with him and all that. <laughs> so, Michael Burns for Lamb Solutions Limited. Um, he's a good lad. Yes, so, thank you, Michael. Thank you. And uh, episode 61 of the podcast this week, we've had guests in for the last couple of weeks. And this week, we've got Donna Boyd. Hi, Dan. Donna, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for asking. It means a lot, by the way. I've been trying to get you in for weeks, but the both ears have been busy. Um, for people that don't know who Donna is, Donna kind of works in recovery. Work for the Scottish Recovery Consortium. Yes. Yes. So, on freed up events. Freed up events. Freed up events are incredible, by the way. Um, I don't know if it's just comedy that you do at freed up. No, so right now we've got two regular monthly events which is the comedy night on the first sunday every month and a rave which used to be like two weeks after on a sunday but we've been playing about with a friday night the past couple yeah so yeah so the freed up nights i've done two at the freed up nights and it's a stand-up comedy night for people that are in recovery or they want to experience recovery or they're going through recovery uh so it's a sober night, non-alcohol and non-drugs. And honestly, Paul, like, some of the best fucking nights I've ever had in my life. See a sober crowd, they're after that. <laughs> I think, like, I was saying, Don, I'm a therapist. And um, I got, especially after post-COVID, I got a lot of people coming back where they were, like, struggling with, like, alcohol and drug consumption because mm. they've been sitting and drinking every night, you know, like that type of thing. And one of the big stigma things or the 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 blocks for people actually cutting back is this idea that uh people think i'm boring i won't enjoy my night so like it'll just aye so that's kind of counterintuitive do you know think yeah. to what people would think would be like for a sober crowd definitely like when people hear sober rave they're like well no getting near that and like we've had like mackenzie shout out mackenzie that comes in like documents and film stuff you know like he came along and, and you get a buzz just off everybody having a buzz. And they are predominantly for people in recovery, but also like to the wider community, because it seems to be coming more and more like either fashionable or people just want to try and get out and, and no drink anymore. So, I mean, they're open to everybody, do you know what I mean? But yeah, they're predominantly for a safe space for the recovery um, communities of, of Glasgow. And further afield, we've had people come down from Aberdeen, people come from uh, Edinburgh and things like that to come. Um, to the freed up event so so that that's what freed up is it's a safe space for people in recovery but everyone's welcome yeah it was brilliant i mean it's most of the, some of the most surreal 
uh, gigs I've ever done. I remember the first one I did. Uh, I mean, because it's like a Friday night Glasgow crowd. Like it's alcohol and drugs, but it's a sober <laughs> night. And I remember the sound guy. We were doing our set and it was brilliant. And then the sound guy was like, ah, right, we need to go because I need to go back to rehab. I was like... <laughs> I love this place, man. <laughs> <laughs> this place is amazing. Yeah, he had a curfew because he was in, it was like the after housing, um, the supported housing that he was in, so he had to get back in for a certain time. Amazing. But it became part of the show, which was really funny as well. Yes. So. Imagine if he never got back in time, though. And you get kicked out. He'd be like, no, it was Bobby for Scott Squad. <laughs> Bobby for Scott Squad was... <laughs> Made me do it. And like, He's relapsed, man, get him in the jail. <laughs> <laughs> so how long because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that still drink and take drugs but they're curious it's like sober curious and i know that there's people in recovery that listen to this podcast but i know that there'll be people that just don't know that freed up is there mm -hmm. or anything really like the scottish recovery consortium they just don't know because i never knew any of that i never even knew like when I was struggling, I never knew that there was like, you could go to a meeting. When somebody says Alcoholics Anonymous, I was like, what is that? So what would you say, how long has this been about for, Freed Up? Um, it'll be two years in March that um, I, I've worked. It was a, a new post created and it came off the back of some work that was did with the Northwest Recovery Community. They used to run AFIT. Um, which was alcohol-free events um, through Northwest Recovery. And I kind of got involved in volunteering, um, doing that when I was early recovery. And um, for there, it got made into a, a, a post within the SRC to be delivered more as a citywide um, thing. So over the past couple of years, I've just worked branding it, um, growing it, making it into what it is and it's it's became what it is it's amazing yeah. by the way i find it really moving um i don't know i just there's something really nice about it it's a good energy in the room yeah, yeah. and you know there is like vulnerable people there that mm -hmm. are struggling and stuff and a couple of people approached me at the end of the gig and i was like getting cuddles and stuff and i was like this is amazing i love this just so and then in a meeting with at the steps <laughs> <laughs> Laughter's the best medicine. And then what, the venue, what was the venue like? Again, it used to be a... A, a stripper's one. A stripper's. A pole, well, a pole dancing. Pole dancing. <laughs> Is that the old Fury Murray's? Yes. Oh, right, aye. Shout out Dawn at Time Event Space and all the staff there who've really bought into, like when we were looking for a city centre venue. Um, and understandably, a lot of places that sell alcohol wanted to, they had to charge a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Because they weren't making money off the bar, but um, Dawn at time and that, there's just been amazing supporting the nights and stuff, um, gaining the space and, aye, amazing. Brilliant. Do you ever work with, because I know that, you know, with addiction and stuff, like people are, it's not just addiction, sometimes people are homeless and all that. So do you work with other charities? So there's lots of partnership working within um, recovery and homelessness and things like that. Um, at New Year, we went down a, like the Simon community who work big, yeah. the street team and stuff that work, they do loads of great work on the, on the streets or with people in, in homeless hotels and stuff. We went down and uh, did a rave for them on New Year's Eve and stuff, just a few hours. Um, 
just to give them a taste of it because it's people that's still out there caught up in the madness, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So just to give them a taste of it because, I mean, I, I, I was caught in addiction for years and hadn't heard the recovery until I, I heard about it, do you know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. always managing the kind of states that I was in over like 20 plus years period of time, but yeah. I'd never heard that recovery was possible um, until just just before I, I found mine recovery, do you know what I mean? So It's a bit mad that, isn't it? I, I don't think I even he I, I understood what the word recovery meant. No. Because we're all recovering for something. Yeah. Or I thought it was like from an injury. <laughs> I never thought it was from... Or for the motor. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Do you ever do any work with like those charities or I don't want to give away? No, I don't. I don't. No, I take, I do take referrals from charities, but never done anything where, um, I... No, might be something for me to look into actually. Yeah, try and help yeah. support. That's he's he's a full blown therapist. A full blown therapist. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's for my family. This is Christmas like. I cause I'm like, uh, it's a podcast, but it's also just a therapy session for me. <laughs> Free therapy. Why not? No, recently it's been my therapy for me. Aye. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> um, we all go through life's ups and downs, you know. And, yep. uh, I recently I've been going down a bit of a, a, a down, but um, I thankfully like coming out the other side. But what um, what in, do you mind talking about your own journey? Is yeah. that something that you you talk about publicly I, or anything um, like that? Like what, what inspired you to get involved? So, um, as I said, I was in active addiction for twenty plus years. Um, like you see in your comedy stuff, it happens in your childhood and stuff. It, it can shape who you are as a person. And I, my model of recovery says that that's not what makes me an addict or alcoholic or whatever it is you identify as. But they were the things that kind of wanted me to escape myself mm -hmm. at a very young age. So for 14, 15, I, I was regularly using some kind of substance. Do you know what I mean? Before that, no, um, I had, no, my, my granny was the first one that gave me blue Valium when I was the eight year old, you know what I mean? It's like, um, I, but like for 14, 15 and, and it slowly progressed. And as I say, it was, um, childhood stuff that kind of affected me big time. And you no, know, there was court cases and things like that. And, um, other family members involved and, when um, that all came out, um, I wanted to escape myself so much that I ended up using heroin, do you know what I mean, for like 17, 18, um, until I got into recovery at like 39. Um, it was prisons, mental institutions, um, aye, for like that, that length of time. Um, it's a long time. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like I, I grew up in uh, Stranraer, which is, you know, uh, there was absolutely nothing in there recovery-wise. Um and when I, I was in, even when I was first in Glasgow and I was still in active addiction, I didn't really hear about it. Um, and then I was sending out like, a detox centre and stuff and, and um, then something happened and I ended up homeless again. And then I, that was when I was introduced to a 12-state fellowship. Uh, and for there, a care manager got me funding for treatment. Um, I went into treatment. I left treatment, went and supported accommodation. And and further on, that's been my kind of journey. Um, right. That's amazing, by the way. Talk about taking taking it with both hands. Right. Uh, 
I noticed a wee twang in your voice there. I was like, that is no Glaswegian. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've noticed that, as long as I've known you. God, I never knew you. that was your journey, Donna. Yeah. It just, just goes to show you, man. Yeah. Never judge a book, eh? Yeah. Aye, man. And it's, I mean, there must be so many people that you know that won't be here, do you know what I mean? Because that's a long time. And, and I think back, me, maybe both me and Don grew up in the housing scheme. And I can remember like the two or three guys that were really prominent and none of them are here. Yeah. And they're my age, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? They're like, they'll be like, they be like 40. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but you must feel really lucky that you got good at it, man. Oh, I haven't been in it that long. Really lucky, but also that's what's kind of drove us to try and not to punt again, but make recovery visible. Cause like I had never heard of it. Do you know what I mean? As I say, like all the years, um, like no dissing any service or anything like that, but in prisons, um, doctors, services, nobody had ever introduced the, uh, the, the concept of recovering. It was always managing my addiction, whether it be with taking me out of society through getting sectioned or prison or with other drugs, do you know what I mean? Mm. Managing me with prescribed medication, which never like worked, do you know what I mean? I've just wanted mayor because I'm an addict and I always want mayor. Yeah. No matter what I take, do you know what I mean? That's and that's um no, that's what we try and do. Try and show that recovery's one possible and that it can be fun. Do you know what I mean? That the fun yeah. isn't over. As long as you're putting the work in and and working on yourself to change like maybe your thought patterns, your behavioural patterns that you've got an active addiction that's that's maybe kept you safe or been able to keep you like using and stuff like that but they're not good to you when you're you're in recovery do you know what i mean and make yourself that you get a different way of living and just but as long as you're doing all that you can go out and do anything you want that's what i truly believe you know what i mean find a wee passion for something and, and go out and do it and being able to do that for other people you know like um watching some of the djs that done the dj workshops and watching them get that wee passion for something and running with it man that's that's a pure present that's a pure blessing to me to, to be to do that for other people and be part of other people's journey doing that that's amazing it removes the stigma as well doesn't it of uh, like people you know you've got the stereotypical view on addiction mm -hmm. like and the word i know it's a horrible word people saying junkie and stuff and um, doing things like this, it kind of, it just educates people. Aye, man. I had a guy in here and I don't know, I won't mention names, right? But he was, what were they? I'm trying not to get away, right? Because <laughs> if I give away a detail, some they'll be like, oh, they'll find it, you know what I mean? But he had been an ex-heroin addict and basically one of the guys that was doing recording asked him, like, what's the difference between an addict and a junkie? And he was like, well, I never robbed off my granny. And I was sort of sitting thinking, hmm, okay, right. But why does that, that doesn't make them a bad person though. Like, I think that there's a part coming, when you heal from like an addiction, you realise that good people do bad things. And I, I think everybody's like a good person, like really inside. It's just like your pain mm -hmm. that drives you to do these things. And I hate that word, man. See when I hear that, like, it's a horrible word. I hate it. Well, um, that's it. And in twelve step fellowship, like you, you admit you were powerless. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're, yeah. People that they no matter what they've done. Do you know what I mean? I've done things that I'm really not proud of, um, and I would have been classed in in my community as a junkie um, because of the things. And and I get that for people that don't understand it, and and you then carry all that 
guilt and the shame and, and the self-criticism because, I mean, the self-loathing for the things that you've done. Mm-hmm. And then if if you're lucky enough to, to come into a 12-step fellowship and realise, right, I was powerless doing these things, but I can now do something about it. And then going through the steps as an amends process right. to, to, to get yeah. to as well and things like yeah. that. Because this guy, this guy did something else that changed his life and it did change his life. And I'll not mention what it is because that will get away like what he did. But... Do you think that there's something about coming into that community and being surrounded with other addicts that really gives you that compassion for everybody, you yeah, know? Yeah, because it's like, I believe that we're all the same. Do you know what I mean? We've all got, this, we're all got the same makeup. Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, and the 12 steps kind of brings you out to that level and I'm eating everybody's the same and that's why we identify as addicts. Some people are, are alcoholics or that's some some people um say that we self-stigmatise by doing that, but that's just so that we're all sitting in a room, we're just all the same. No matter if you're a doctor, if you're a teacher, whatever you are when you're in that room, we're just all the same. Do you know what I mean? And then like, people in there have went through similar things or done similar things and just seeing other people recovers then um what gives you the belief that you can recover as well because mm. when you're in active addiction or whatever it is you well for me i can only speak for me is that you're in that darker place that um you don't see a way out do you know what i mean you're beating yourself up for all the things you've done you're, you're using whatever you're using and, and you just don't see a way out so there is no hope and my experience is going to a 12-step fellowship that's what i got and there was hope that i could do it too Mm-hmm. and the support to do it right. and the encouragement that's mm-hmm. that's nice what, what i've learned you're talking about things that you regret um because i'm 35 now and I've, i'm sober seven years and i went through this experience recently after i did i just finished therapy way back on site and it was a major thing that was it was eating me alive and basically i i experience we've all had things happen to us in our life right grief regret everything loss i lost someone when i was a young guy when i was about 17 and i I went through this strange experience of like i wish i did this and i wish i did that but then going through recovery and going through the steps and talking to a therapist the therapist was like you were fucking 17 but i'm looking back on it with seven years of sobriety in my life and i'm looking back with an aa mind thinking i would have done this and i would have done that she was like you were fucking 17 but mm. how would you know that when you're back then i'm like so that i'm so grateful that i went through that because it, it removed this survivor's guilt exactly it removed this horrible guilt of mm. looking back nearly 20 years later thinking i should have done this 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 and this i never even had a fucking mobile phone when i was 17 so obviously i couldn't have done that but i would imagine a lot of other people go through the exact same stuff like you know maybe if it was family stuff i wish i said this well you're fucking 10 year old mate so what are you going to say when you were 10 you need to just accept that you didn't know what you didn't know at the time aye Mm-hmm. I that's a lot because a lot of people think that you just stop drinking and you stop taking drugs there's so much more to recovery I, I mean the addiction that. really is a symptom isn't it? it's yeah. no like people I, 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 I can't, that's something that really really annoys me that when people are like well, what do they know just stop for 
And you're like, because you don't get the reason why they started then. And they mm. started because they're in pain. And yeah. the substance, whatever it might be. Like, I'm an addict as well, but my, uh, my poison was sex. Yeah. But I started like talking about what Dan's talking there. I, I started looking at sexual images at like 10. And I didn't know that at 30 I was going to be like, oh, I'm addicted to this <laughs> and this has caused mayhem in my life and I need to go into recovery. But to look back, I did the exact same thing and look back and go, oh, I wish I hadn't done this. And what was I doing that for? And it's like, you were a wee boy and you were just like gone with it. You know what I mean? And like, you don't know. You know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of people even that might sound silly, there's a lot of people out there that wake up to the fact that alcohol, excessive amounts of alcohol isn't good for you. And they're like, you know, I had to be educated on that. I had to be told that, you know what I mean? And like painkillers, like hearing somebody like Darren McGarvey talk about his first port of call, his addictions, always Cocodamol. And even at, th- I think I heard him say that in a podcast at like 35 and I was like, fuck, why? And he's like, because physical pain and mental pain are really the same thing. And even I'm like, right wait a minute like so you need to be aware that even just something that you can go and buy other counter at boots could end up or be the sort of first things in addiction it's i think for me a lot of it's about education and like i think addiction is really like a human condition do you know what i mean people are addicted to things only that might be good but anything that you use too much to avoid yourselves can be a bad thing but folk are addicted to the gym folk are addicted to working money power do you know what I mean? Mm. I believe it's part of our makeup. Do you know what I mean? As humans, it's it's how mm. we, we manage that. Mm-hmm. Gym's a big one now. Mm-hmm. Huge one. I mean, the amount of people I've seen recovery that are... They, they go for using a substance to pure gym addicts. Fitness, yep. health and fitness. Yep. And I, I mean, it's work for me now. I, I, I work to my detriment. That I'm pure exhausted sometimes. It's like... That it's, I just... Yeah. I, Cold water therapy beast like... Oh. Is, <laughs> don't get me started because some of my pals do it but I don't get me started I do the cold showers and Darren's had, <laughs> had the experience with the cold as well so we don't like this is a, the, the the weird thing with us is, is that we do with shit or error like but one more but shit secretly you want to do it no it's that <laughs> basically I uh, <laughs> no but it, see for we've explained this so many times it's no the it's no the concept here it, it's a great tool but it's the it's the cult like it's became this Instagram cult where people are now in their wee blow up baths on their balconies, like breathing, and it's almost like this keeps the demons away every day. You know what I mean? And we are real like right. Look, see I'll, if that's stick, the I'll case. stick to meditation and that for <laughs> Meditation, cold water, Aye. but it's all it's all. There's almost like, especially with the gym. Like I get see owning a podcast studio, see the amount of PTs that I get coming through here, and there's a part in my head's like you're enabling. You're an enabler <laughs> to me because I hear what you're saying, but there's almost like a bit of a bully about it. And I think that there's people go into that sort of health and fitness journey where we bit of sort of self hatred. And then when they're like knocking their pan in, in the gym, it's like cathartic for them. But then, I mean, the amount of times I've said this on podcasts, I say, what you got to do when you need to stop? Like, you can't go to the gym for the rest of your life and tell you one thing I do not want to be a guy in my 50s, 60s, or 70s having to face my demons i'd rather do it when i'm young and like you know i can actually like enjoy the rest of my life (laughs) rather than having to get up and go to the gym for like an hour every single day even when i feel sick or you know what i mean and like uh, it's the problem comes when people need to sit still you know and what you gotta do if you get a cold amount of times that you've seen people in the gym with flus and stuff and you're like 
I've had mates that took injuries and kind of go to the gym and they're like mental. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like uh, climbing the walls and all that because they kind of go. Mm -hmm. Aye, but mm. we do have a good pop out of cold water, don't we? I, I try to do it. Uh, 61 episodes and I, I think I've mentioned it every episode even just to drop it in as a joke <laughs> I think it I mean I, I love it I've done it a couple of times and it was amazing but like Paul said it's everything that comes with it I mean i seen an Instagram video of an older woman right jump off the campsies with a full-blown dress on shoes socks Honestly, I was like, is she still got her purse and all that? She wouldn't even fucking wear a swimsuit. She jumped in. I was like, this is mental. So there we go. So, I think it's nice, but that folk can get a connection in a community anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It is, I, I'm the same. Like, I, they rip my mates at there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think it is nice. Whatever anybody can get a community of people that's like-minded, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. It's, like, it is kind of important that you know what it is, though, isn't it? I think right. it's really kind of vital for people because don't when it, as you know like slips come tough times rear their ugly head and then you're you're leaving yourself open to thinking it's getting into the cold water when actually like you just said there and I, and see the amount of times that i've spoke to like i've got another podcast that i've done for years and i speak to the politicians and that see the amount of times the word community comes up and i just think what community like all the communities in this country have been destroyed yeah through personally my opinion is profit they just they've ripped the hearts out of the communities to make a wee bit more money mm -hmm. um but that's the that's the that's a, that's a key word for me like i think that we're lacking so much community like um, you say oh, oh that's happened and there's been a steady rise in drug deaths or are people being disconnected and i think um social media has got a lot to do with that too but people are so disconnected and it's like if people aren't connected with each other we're, we're human beings we're social creatures even if you don't really like people like me you still need them running about you at times do you know what i mean and it's like oh that's been like slowly eroded away over the years and there isn't the community centers there isn't people looking out for each other and that's i mean there's three amazing recovery communities um in glasgow northwest um the south and northeast um and that's they, they run cafes and stuff most days um every week volunteers that are in recovery help out that's somewhere safe something to eat a um, bit of connection some recovery meetings and stuff like that and they are that's what um you need to, to recover do you know what i mean but everybody needs that do you know what i mean not just people in recovery like the, everybody needs that a, a community where they belong do you know what i mean and, yeah. and where there's other people to like watch out for you or if you know they are be a wee bit concerned and maybe drop you a wee message to see how you are and things like that because we all become like dan spoke about it loki spoke about it before no like um we're, we're not meant to be bombarded with information and all that like a hundred like so much all day every day everybody's like always available or, or you feel that you always need to be available like if somebody messages me at 9 10 11 12 o'clock at night about work I struggle not to answer it and it's like that like um there's access to you all the time and we're not meant to be like that do you know what i mean we're meant to have times where we're no but i, I don't even know where i was going with that but <laughs> it's like i it's no, just I, I we're it. overloaded do you know what i mean and then but we've actually get new community mm -hmm. we've, we've actually people are lacking connection when we're the most connected we've ever been mm -hmm. you know at the same time it's that paradox where yeah. do you know what i mean it's 
Mm. Well, even like for it, I've got a close, close mate, a childhood friend. And um, recently I was like, when is the last time we actually seen each other? But we talk every single day on WhatsApp and we're sending each other's vo voice notes every single day. And I'm like, mate, let's get a munch or go for a coffee or something. And it was honestly, it was like five months or something. But it didn't feel like five months because I was having a conversation with him every day, even talking over the phone. But it's never, it's never quite as good as face to face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs friendship and absolutely. Community. There's a, a guy that I listen to. I listen to a, a podcast, and you'd never know a mental about podcast, would you? Um, and he, he's like, um, I can't remember what his title, but basically, he's one of these guys. He's at like high up in the US government gives him all the advice in mental health. He was like one of the original cognitive behavioral therapists back in the sixties. He did free therapy for people for like decades. And he's he's building like AI apps for therapy so that people don't need a, a human and, and all these sorts of stuff. And I listened to him talking a podcast and they were like one of the questions that a listener had had sent in was like what's the meaning like what do you think your opinion is the meaning of life? The guy said something that I was like, pure, whoa, man, that's, fuck it really hit me. Like he said that, he's like, you know, I go into meetings and I'm sitting with presidents and and then I'm gone and I'm building this app and I've got all these people running about me and I'm an expert in mental health. And he's like, but I'll tell you what, see, when I sit with my wife and my cat and I was just like, because I'm a workaholic, I'm a hundred percent like us. And he was just like, these interpersonal relationships are the most important thing in your life. And I was just like, fuck, man. I don't know anybody that's talking about that. Do you know what I mean? I don't know a single person that's like, see your work, see your, it's all, it's all bullshit. Like, ah, you need money to live. Ah, you need to go and you need, you know, but actually your friends and your family are the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And what you're like, your community, what you're surrounded with. And I was like, nobody's talking about that. Every Instagram post is, here's how to make more money. Here's how to get a better body. Here's how to get the big car and blah, blah, blah. But nobody's actually like, do you want me to teach you how to make pals? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean that would be a life coach winter. I'm going to start that I'm going to start that Instagram <laughs> I don't know where it which goes which probably could make people struggle like loneliness and stuff could make people self-medicate with it's things. when they turn to something else isn't it to feel that connection with something or just to escape that that feeling of loneliness yeah because everybody gets that I mean I've been in I've been in a flat for eight months now and it's the first time I've lived by myself for a long time and see when it's I don't know if it was the weather and stuff but sometimes you're sitting there and you're like fucking hell man what is happening here and then you go to a, a meeting or whatever and you feel all right but it can quickly take over mm -hmm. um what were you going to say there I was going to ask and you can I can edit anything you're right um what's your opinion on what's going on and like Scotland's well, I mean, the drug deaths are just, I mean, it's worrying. It's its bad. I think I'd seen, I mean, there's a load of parallels happening with like fentanyl and all that in America and all that sort of stuff. But what's going on in this country? It, my personal recollection of how it got so bad so quick. So, like, remember back in the day when it was jellies and stuff like that and everybody was going out raving and maybe we'd take a few pills to come down and stuff like that. But at the same time, as I say, I grew up in Stranraa, so it was farm jobs, factory jobs, and jobs on the boat. 
at the same time as the criminal justice bill came in that kind of stopped all the raving, which again was a community, do you know what I mean? It was that was a community. And then um MD like guys in the jail used to just puff hash, you know what I mean? Um MDTs came in and you still lost days remission back then. So it went for puff and hash, it was in your system for 30 days to <clears> take <throat> and smack that you could flush out your system in two or three days. Um so then they, they people were getting out of the jail and punting. At the same time, you've got all the jobs going in the communities. And especially for guys, like um, women and guys are different. Do you know what I mean? You, you are made up to be a provider. And when guys haven't got a direction in life, I mean, it goes for everybody, but males, especially back then, are brought up to be the provider. They've been out and worked and provided for their family. So when all that went away, you've got all these people that are directionless in life. There's no jobs, there's no nothing like that. And at the same time, you've got this wave of, of different drugs coming in, do you know what I mean? And I suppose it's always been there. I mean, I suppose guys get out of the shipyard. The first story is a guy's getting out of the shipyard on a Thursday, Friday with their wages and going drinking all weekend and no going home to their family. So that was like alcohol. But in the, the kind of 60s and 70s, you had different drugs coming in. Um, and I think that's just all been compounded over the years with everything. And then so then you've had that generation then have wanes and... and like myself, I was in active addiction and had my son, so like he was brought up by my parents. Um, so like you've got another generation that are, are traumatized, mm. do you know what I mean? So it's all that generational trauma, all that, and I think it just keeps compounding, and we're just not doing enough um, to, to help folk that way. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Aye, because they did, they had maybe I'm because maybe I'm thinking, remembering this wrong, but. When the GRU and stuff came about, they had a, a bit of a sort of like, you know, the reduced violence in this city particularly. But the last sort of three, four years, it seems to have, I don't know, like that sort of positivity about like violence reduction, knife crime, addiction, getting all these things done that they, they battled so hard. I mean, I've spoke to a couple of people that were involved in that, like Graham Goldie and... Darren was involved. With Darren was involved in it and yeah. I... They, they're, it seems to have been that momentum that we had in Glasgow seems to have like ground to an absolute halt um, in the last few years. I don't know if COVID's had a lot to do with it or just that isolation, but it seems to have been, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like we need jobs, we need purpose, you know, all these guys looked up to their dads and their grandas that went, I remember my dad going, if I couldn't get the day after a select game, I'd be like, shove your job up your ass." go to the football and then by the time I had got to midnight in the pub that Friday night, somebody like, oh, big man, there's a job go, you can't do that anymore. Mm. Like we're on pure fear or like money and cost of living and all this yeah. sort of stuff, man. It's just, there's, a, there's there's just so much going on in there for people. Mm. And then you're like, you're saying combining that with social media and then people with their motors and their Dubai holidays and all that. And then you're looking and going, where's mine? You know yeah. what I mean? And, so it's like a shortcut, like a shortcut to get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Aye, it's, I don't, I mean, see when it comes, it's, it's that complex, it's, it's not as easy as just going, I know that there's so many people out there, that like, the government should be doing more, and it's like, but, what, what do they do? Aye, like, yeah. especially when businesses, all the steel, all the construction, it's all gone, like all the jobs, that was what sustained this country, do you know what I mean? And I don't think there's any, there's any surprise that somewhere like Motherwell that was so like identified with that sort of was it Ravenscraig that 
Is that Motherwell, like no. the steelworks? But that's it. You've got communities like that. Or you've got the weird places that were farming communities mm-hmm. where it used to be farming jobs, and then that all became automated. Now, as I say, that used to be jobs on the boats and factories. That factories all get outsourced to China and other places. And aye, just whether it was steel or whatever, coal mining, you even got it like because there's a lot of older alcoholics in coal mining villages, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the generational stuff there, it's aye, it's just been what 40, 40 years, yeah. You know I mean, aye, so it's like there's no overnight fix, do you know what I mean? I don't know. Dub. Blame Thatcher. I believe she's on some people's step force, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I get that that whole, like, but that that neoliberal idea, she didn't come up with that, you know what I mean? She was a perpetrator of Mm. that, but that was, like, thought up by more people than just her and Ronald Reagan. But it was that time, Mm. wasn't it? It's kind of been like a slip. That's it. So, like, back then, then, so they, they, they put the council houses up, folks started buying their council houses, so then they had a mortgage to pay, so they had to chase the money they had to go out and work and I, I believe for me like this is the first job I've ever had and I'm blessed that it's something that I really enjoy but people are out there doing jobs they hate so no wonder they're out drinking or, or their wains see them like hating their job and working so then their wains are like oh, I'm not going to do that so they go down a different route or do you know what I mean it's like I uh, it's it's very complex well, it is very what do you reckon to the before we go on to Sonny Govan because I know you've got a radio show either way would I'm just really interested in your opinion in the Portuguese model that sort of came about where they've managed. Now, I don't know numbers, right? I've had people, I've mentioned this on another podcast and somebody go, it's not as good as what you think it is. And I'm like, right, are you just a skeptic or what's going on here? They seem to have made some decent inroads. I think they said that like intravenous heroin use is down like 46%. I think the last time that I looked and overdosing had like plummeted like 60%. Do you think that that decriminalisation is like a good way? Because it feels a bit, it feels like a, I don't know, it feels like a gamble, doesn't it, to just decriminalise it? And like, I don't know much about how it's worked out earlier, but the fact that, right, so we're criminalising people that are using drugs to escape trauma. So you're putting a bunch of traumatised people in a prison where they're getting more trauma. So the chances of the people then recovering reduced and reduced and reduced every time they're offending and get back in right you use you decriminalize it and you take away the criminal element or and you use the money for that to then put into helping people recover i think in portugal they subsidize people to give people jobs and stuff yep. like that right and just like, people in in recovery like a big part of 12 step recovery is helping other people so when people get into recovery and, and they start working they matter where it is i believe <clears throat> They're out helping other people. So by one person recovering, they're affecting more people. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's it makes sense to do that then. Mm-hmm. If you're helping one person recover and they're helping other people, then it's it grows exponentially. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think it's a good idea. I know that there's a guy um that wrote the book about like the 10%. Like it's he reckon it's a thing that if um at least 10% of the people that use things will end up using it problematically. That's quite a big number. Do you know what I mean? Huge. Do you know right. what I mean? It's an ex-police. You maybe get him on sometime. He's really, I interviewed him for making recovery visible, and that's his book's about that, like the 10% of people that, that use a substance will end up using it problematically. So if you weigh up 10% of people that you're then going to help to find recovery and they help another 10 people each, do you know what I mean? Then that's a hundred 
Do you know what I mean? So it's like that grows and grows and grows. And just for my own thing, I mean, no to hang you, but I did. The, since I've got into work and you're helping other people and then you're spreading a message that it's possible, um, you're helping people within a fellowship because that's part of your fellowship work. It's like that has ripple effects, do you know what I mean? And then whatever they people then go on to do is having mere ripple effects. So I think it, it makes sense to um, invest. And I don't mean just money, do you know what I mean? Invest in recovery because the people that recover are going to help other people. Yeah. Amazing. I tried to look up numbers there. That's what I was doing on my phone. I couldn't get them quickly, but I'm sure the numbers are like, they're quite jaw-dropping. Like mm. when, when you look at it, I think somebody, I'd heard somebody say that in their safe consumption rooms, which I'm a big believer in, like, I mean, give people health first and foremost, Jesus fucking Christ, you know what I mean? And, um, they have like a therapist there mm. and they have like somebody from a recovery center and they let them know there's another way. Yep. There's another option. Yep. And I think like, a, a lot of fear, a lot of skepticism amongst addicts, and they don't they don't trust people because they've been let down their full life. Mm. I think if they go in and somebody's like, "Look, here's a clean place to sit and do what you do," and we've got no judgment to you, and there's no stigma, and you're not going to get called names, and there's and then they're like, "Here's another way." By the way, if you really want to try it, you can come along. I mean, yeah. why would we not be doing that for people? Yeah. I know there's vans now in Glasgow that are going out into the communities and providing them. Um, like wound care and stuff like that and introducing people to the idea of recovery so we, there's that in, in Glasgow now as well yeah you know I mean? that so. poor guy that did it down at the King Street mm. um I mean he was he was running the risk of going to jail to do that do you know what I mean and I've heard people being like mm, I don't know if I agree with blah 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 it's like well maybe you don't agree with what he's doing but he's doing it out of a necessity so why don't we like get the proper facilities and fucking place for people to stay safe. I guess he actually saved a couple of lives. Hundred percent, man. Yep. Aye. Like in the van, confirmed Aye. was saving overdoses. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you about? I don't know how to word this as well. Um, obviously, you work in recovery. I know everybody's equal, but is there another element that you may? Is there a thing that you could help? like females and stuff because i know that you just get like all female meetings so and that's in the fellowship but is there something like that and what you work in so all the recovery communities have dedicated women's and men's groups yeah because um, we've all got different issues although we're all equal and we're all recovering and there's there's that um People maybe don't feel safe to open up in front of the other the other sex and stuff like that. So there's always there's dedicated um recovery meetings, there's dedicated cafes for women. Um we sometimes we, we ran an International Women's Day last year for, for uh, the women and stuff. Um but I it's that's it. But there's the same for guys, men's yeah. sit and share, men's meditation stuff that goes on as well. So I awesome. Yeah. That's awesome to hear because I know when it comes to trauma. It can be so different from each other, but equally, you know, horrifying. Uh, but that's good to know because I just thought that was in recovery. I never knew that was. Well, a lot of uh, people that are, are in the recovery communities are, are fellowship recovery. So a lot yeah. of what happens in the fellowships is then taken out to the wider, but without the constriction of having fellowship traditions. Yeah. You know what I mean? So awesome. And how long have you been doing the Sonny Govan show for? 
uh, making recovery visible? Visible, aye. Right. Um, 2019. Wow. Um, so I get introduced to Sonny Govan when I first moved back to Glasgow. Um, it was my it was my care manager. It was the guy that I used to get my meth script off. Uh, asked us what I was into and stuff, and it was like I was like music and da da da. And I, he introduced us to Sonny Govan. So. Over the years I was in and out there, do you know what I mean? It was always like somewhere warm, go for a cup of tea, um, steak and, and Heather and that was always dead welcoming, never like, no matter what state you were in, never knocked you back for coming in for a cuppa and stuff. And um, I just, over the years, was always popping in and out and, and Steg had introduced us to the music that he produces, you know, Steg's a, a, a Scottish hip-hop producer. Steg G. Steg G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like he used to give me CDs and stuff and it was the first time I'd ever heard um, Scottish hip-hop. So, and I loved it, do you know what I mean? Um, so, so, in my recovery, fast forward to my recovery and it was like, um, I was still going in, saying hello and stuff and I was getting better and... Uh, I did some community development um, stuff with them. Uh, I did the the radio production that they run. Uh, they still run the radio production, and I did that. And at the end of it, they asked if I wanted them um, to do a show. And uh, I was like, well, I've been in it here like 15, 20 years, and I had never heard of recovery. I'm like, oh, well, it makes sense to do a show about recovery. And if one person hears about recovery through you doing, doing a show, then it's a winner, do you know what I mean? Um, Aye, in 2019 I started that, so. Amazing. Mm-hmm. What is it you do? I've not got a producer, but <laughs> He's a pain in the I need to do all the buttons myself <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what is it you do? Do you interview people? Like, Aye, the... so I, I interview people about their own recovery journey. And, like People come in and talk about organisations they work with, um, musicians, DJs, whatever, anybody that wants to come in and, and be open about the recovery, you know, like, 12 state fellowships kind of are about being anonymous and stuff like that, but some people are happy to talk about their recovery and put it out there and stuff, and that's just what we're trying to do. And it's just about letting people know, one, that it's possible, and just you know, like you were talking about, people's preconceived ideas of what an addict is. If they hear somebody's story and can still kind of understand where they've came from in their past and how how well they're doing now, then that helps change people's ideas and, and how they view people, do you know what I mean? And the next time they see somebody that's struggling and they maybe no think just as bad of them. Do you know what I mean? No. So, yeah, I love it. I do love it. I thought about getting it up a few times and then you get a wee message for somebody saying they listen to the show and stuff and it's like, right, okay. Aye. I mean? How can people listen to it? Uh, it's, so Monday's 12 till 1, uh, live most of the time on um, on Sunny Jet Coven. So that's 103.5 FM, www.sunnyg.org. Um, I think you can tell Alexa to get it played. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can just get it and catch up, just Google it. Or you can get it in Mixcloud or the homegrown Soundcloud. I stick it up there too. Yeah. Are you cool with people like getting you on social media if they add you and stuff? Right. So, I mean, like I'm on social media. Obviously, there's the freed up social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. There's the Make Recovery Visible, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. There's homegrown always best if you want to go and listen to some quality Scottish hip hop. Um, I promote different stuff for that. And yeah. So, hi. Have you got any nights coming up soon? I have. Um, it's not been announced yet. So, uh, the 30th of March, it's not just predominantly hip hop, but the Ducks, who's Mog, Mince Fratelli, and Lewis Finley, um, they're playing a gig in Nice and Sleazy's on the 30th of March. 
We support from the band Irritations and Johnny McCauley. Um, so yeah, that would be a nice and sleazy on the theatre. Sonny Govan, have you ever been in Sonny Govan, Paul? I haven't, no. It's uh, interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> Steg G's a character, isn't he? Uh, yeah. I went into the office. I mean, it was like 12 years ago or something, and he cornered me in the office. I was like, ah, who's who's that? So Steg G and Scottish hip-hop is brilliant and all. I mean, I love Loki. Loki's amazing, but... That was it. Darren was one of the first pl- places I heard like recovery through because he, he was vocal about his. That was another reason for being vocal, like yeah. about my my own journeys because like Darren done it and like showed all oh, right. What, what is that? Do you know what I mean? And just watching his journey and stuff like that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, Darren's a really inspirational character and, yeah. and such a good speaker. And I I like I like Darren a lot. Yeah. How long have we done? 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Is there anything else that you would like to ask or talk about? Normally we do about an hour. Um, get a plug to the Freed Up events that's coming up then. <laughs> so Freed Up, next Freed Up events is <clears throat> we've got a rave on, I don't know when this will go out, but we've got a rave on the 24th of February. Um, we've got a comedy night on the 5th of March. So the comedy nights are the first Sunday every month. The raves is kind of like... Up in the other now, because like, we're trying Fridays, maybe we try a couple of Saturdays, so you just need to kind of keep an eye for when they drop, um, and then we'll get back into them being a regular thing again. The 17th of March, um, we've been asked to be part of the Govan Music Festival, so we're doing something over there. So there'll be, even if uh, this is like a total community event, so even if it's you'd, you'd rather come along to something like that and check out what we do, there'll also be um, information stalls about different recovery and stuff like that um, there. Um I think that's a bit it, isn't it? Brilliant. And see if somebody's listening to this and they're maybe self-conscious of, or they've got anxiety about maybe going to somewhere like that, they could literally just Google, like, you know, if you're curious about sobriety, just Google Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. the Samaritans, yeah. Brothers in Arms. Any of the fellowships. I mean, you've got gambling, you've got sex, you've got overeaters, you've got Narcotics Anonymous, CAAA, You've got like loads of different fellowships for loads of different things. I mean, but you've also got like recovery communities, um, Northwest Recovery Community, Northeast Recovery Community, um, South Community Recovery Network. You've got all these things out in the community. Um, like you see, you can Google things, you can check things out on Facebook before you go. There's if you phone a fellowship, you'll get somebody at the end of the phone that'll come and meet you to go to a meeting. If you phone a recovery community, they've got outreach workers that'll come and get get you along to one of the, the cafes and stuff like that. There's loads of different things, man. Yeah. Loads of different things. I mean, don't let your head talk you out of reaching out and, and just trying it. Innit? Exactly. I've got a friend right now that's uh, been asking us to help him for years. And, um, you, you know, he'll drop in my, my DMs noon again and i'm like i'll take you to a meeting mate i'll take you to i'm not going to say the area but he's like oh what happens if i know people and i'm like mate just go to a meeting man shut up people like, in meetings don't care they're just happy to see somebody <laughs> turn up and it? it's mm-hmm. like they don't care he's like oh what happens if i see a teacher and i'm like i but they're there for the same fucking reason mate <laughs> like i feel like grabbing him and pulling his ears off man <laughs> oh. so i think if you went to you go to a meeting and see somebody you know you feel better you know you actually like i think people he's assuming that that's going to be embarrassing and he's going to feel ashamed and 
that person's going to judge them. But like you're saying, like, well, if they're at a meeting, then <laughs> they're in the same boat. And the more that people can wake up, that there's something that you said earlier, we're, we're all addicts. It's like we're on the same boat. We're all just trying to, like, live a happy life, you know? Mm-hmm. Avoid the waves, even though we, that we can't. But um, aye, the male that going, I'd be like, I hope I fucking see somebody that I know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And see a, a, a familiar face, you might yeah. be able to go and find somebody to talk to. That was my experience when I was a new, a new newcomer. Newcomer, aye. I, I walked into a meeting and I, I seen a guy and I was like, oh my fucking god, he was the psycho in my school. I've also bought gear off him, like. <laughs> basically my dealer <laughs> he ended up my fucking sponsor he's like brilliant. one of my best mates now brilliant what a redemption story that is for <laughs> him, like the dealer to sponsor Super. i know and he's so chilled out uh but i and then that made me realize i know you're talking about it's a, i think it's a without sounding too much of a happy i think it's a spiritual disease yeah. like the whole in the soul so when people stop drinking alcohol then you'll see them in the gym for fucking 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You're just replacing it. And I, I see it with food. That's my experience with food as well. Sometimes you'll see me and I'll be 13 stone. Next week I'll be like 29 stone. It's it's all connected. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's so much more to it than just no drinking. Mm. But I don't want to scare away anybody that's curious. Mm. You'll, you'll find out that it's no drugs or the alcohol that's a problem. It's something else something else that's causing it i don't know Holy fuck son. it let's get mad with it <laughs> <laughs> intrusive thoughts there so um is that us Aye, that's us up. are you cool with that donna cool man thank, thank you. you very much for coming on pal um you know if you ever need any help any promotion with any of your events just ask us and we'll share okay. i'll share on my social media and if you ever need me to come along to anything, I'll come along. Cool, thank you. 500 quid though, but right, okay. apart from that, <laughs> cash in an envelope is all right. No, seriously, but I will help you. <laughs> I don't want everybody being like, he's a prick. Anyway, guys, that's us and see you next week.